I'm Hannah Trum, and this is Hypocritical, a podcast from Powbox where we discuss security, technology, and compliance news with healthcare industry leaders. month, Powbox publishes a report analyzing HIPAA breaches affecting more than 500 people as reported to the HHS. Under the High Tech Act, the HHS secretary is required to post these breaches to the breach notification portal publicly, or what most people in the industry call the HHS wall of shame. The latest edition of the HIPAA breach report analyzed data breaches reported in February 2022. Top takeaways to note include almost 2 million individuals affected by 22 network servers and 10 breaches via email affecting over 100,000 people. Comparing January data over the last five years, over 1 million individuals have had their data breached via 57 email breaches. Asia Anderson, Powbox Customer Success Manager, joins me again to discuss the latest report, trends she's observed over the last month, and anything we can do on the ongoing fight against bad actors in healthcare. Hi, Asia. Thank you so much. Welcome back to Hypocritical. Thanks for having me, Hannah. Of course, uh, I'd like to talk about the breaches that were reported in January 2022, the largest of which happened to be a huge hospital system. What can you tell us about this breach? So this was a network server breach. No surprise there. Um, 1.34 million people affected. Uh, The organization was Broward Health in Florida. They are one of the 10 largest healthcare systems in the U.S. And the attackers compromised a third-party medical provider who had access to Broad's system. Um, Seems like there weren't multi-factor authentication protocols in place there, Uh, but they did. Would a third party mean like a blood lab they work with or like a medical imaging system that they work with? Yeah, we don't know specifically. Um, One thing that I've noticed, and I'm sure you've noticed too, when we look at the reports that we see for these is there isn't isn't a whole lot of information. We were told... um, could have been, um, you know, any kind of uh, partner that they're working with, but it was somebody that um, had access to this hospital's infrastructure. They had logins, so we're not really sure um, who it was specifically, or um, you know, what kind of provider it was. But it could have been a lab, um, could have been any partner really that had access to their system. And what Broward did was force a password reset and implement multi-factor authentication. I would say I'm surprised that it took a breach to put multi-factor in place, but I'm not. And uh, they're also offering identity theft protection and credit monitoring through Experian um, for the next two years, which is, you know, that's common practice whenever this stuff happens. Um, One thing that is, it's not common necessarily. A lot of these breaches, data isn't necessarily uh, exfiltrated or removed from the system, but in this case, it was like that was confirmed. Data actually got removed from this system. Um, there's no evidence it's been used or misused, but uh, they did take people's PHI. That's what I was going to ask. So when you say data, you mean specifically patient personal health information? Yes, exactly. Yes. Okay, Asia, what can you tell us about any interesting news on email breaches in January or just something that you've seen in the last six weeks of the year? Sure. Well, um, you'll recall earlier I said I wasn't surprised that network servers were the main uh, attack vector. But interestingly, over the last five years in January, email has actually been the most popular attack vector. Um, Over a million total individuals had their data breached. 
in 57 email breaches over the last five January specifically. So um, I'm guessing that's like, you know, you're coming back from the holidays and you're just not paying as much attention. Maybe you're getting some kind of uh, phishing scam for a new year, new you. Um, but uh, email has been the bell of the ball in January historically. And this year, the crown was snatched by network servers. Interesting. That is, I wonder what happened, what trends have changed from the winter 2021 going into 2022 that were so different from 2020 going into 2021. Optimizing technology and processes while mitigating human error risk is absolutely imperative. Another piece of the data security puzzle is cybersecurity insurance. Um, because, you know, a robust cybersecurity program can be expensive up front, but just like insurance or cyber insurance, you don't really need it until you need it. So how do you see cybersecurity programs and cyber insurance working together? Sure. The most important thing is having both a cybersecurity program as well as cyber insurance. If you only have the insurance, it's actually incentivizing uh, actors to take advantage of you and commit attacks um, because they know that you you're counting on being insured and you're counting you're counting on all that being covered. So you're probably more likely to go ahead and pay out in a ransomware scheme because you know that the money's there. Of course, your premiums are going to go up after the fact, but um, you have to have both. And um, Powbox can actually help to some extent. If you share our high trust certification with most insurers, they will give you a concession. Having a high trust CSF certification is the creme de la creme. And Powbox, all three of our bread and butter products, Powbox Marketing, Powbox Email API, and Powbox Email Suite are all high trust CSF yeah, certified. So that is I, that is amazing. I did not know that you could get a discount. I, that makes total sense though. You know, everyone wants to be high trust certified. So that makes sense that cyber insurances would give you a discount. And if you didn't know, um, Palbex is part of the high trust inheritance program. So you can actually use our certification in getting your own. So you don't have to repeat those controls or those tests because we've already, Palbox has already done the legwork. So Asia, as a customer-centric and customer-facing employee of Powbox, how do you take this information, like the survey information, and strategize with your customers to help fill that human error gap and mitigate the risk? I have a client who has a really busy intake season starting in July. And um, that's a point that all of us are kind of taking a look at the inbound traffic that they're getting and looking for spikes and looking for, um, let's say fake invoice uh, attempts, showing them that they have paid something, trying to get them to call to say, no, I didn't subscribe to this thing, and giving their credit card information to try to get their money back. Um, so we're, we're always looking for trends. So you take this information from your clients and you review it with them to you know, see, like you said, spikes in spam or where there might be some places that they can optimize. Do you think that this is something that workflow automation could assist with? Oh, absolutely. I had a conversation with a customer yesterday where I said, um, you know, is there any work that you have to do on a regular basis that you don't like to do? And she said, where do you want me to start? <laughs> and I think that all of us um, have repetitive tasks that are mission critical, but we, we just hate doing them. Nobody likes to do a data entry. Human brains are not really meant to sit in one place for hours on end, putting things into spreadsheets. But um, when you have 
routine, repetitive tasks, there is going to be a lot of room for error, um, whether because you're bored or because you're uh, you're trying to do too many things at once, or um, just because the lines of the spreadsheet start to blur together. And that's where workflow automation can make a big difference. If we remove a human from... Um, Inputting data that could be wrong. Hoala and I just talked about this in the last episode. Inputting that that medical information, you type in the wrong birthday and it becomes all of these other things. Yes. And I'd like to say, you you and I talked about this yesterday when we were prepping, the average customer doesn't always see organizational cybersecurity as a personal task. Yes. And that is a weakness that cyber criminals exploit time after time. And I read something that you actually sent to me that some security professionals view ransomware as equal as a threat to us as terrorism is. Where are these big gaps that you're seeing in cybersecurity technology? And is that where the criminals are? Yeah, you know, the DOJ actually said that they're treating ransomware the same as terrorism. Um, when I look at, you know, I, I read these articles, I look at the data that we have, I look at the practices that people have in place. I don't see, you know, big technology gaps necessarily. I see gaps in basic human behavior. Just like you said, your average rank and file employee might not be thinking about how their day-to-day has an impact on the overall security of their organization, particularly if, you know, they're they're working second shift, they're pulling a double, you know, the, the company is understaffed and they're, you know, stressed out and burnt out. Um, the gaps come in with human error. The gaps come in with um, a lack of inbound security. The gaps come in with a lack of a risk assessment and an understanding of um, all of the small things that add up to a big opportunity for bad actors. What are some insights into the biggest info risks for the year that you can talk about with us? Sure. Well, there's there's kind of two things here. One is for... Um, you know, businesses, organizations like we work with, and then there are um, threats for, you know, consumers, for our parents, right? Um, One of the things that we looked at yesterday said that uh, 60% of security professionals reported their organization had suffered ransomware attacks over the past 12 months. And you might not have experienced it yet. There is a very good chance you will experience it. When we look at the data year over year, um, all we see is that it's increasing. And like we talked about earlier, um, cybersecurity insurance, adoption of cybersecurity insurance kind of proves that point because it went from 26% in 2016 to 47% in 2020. That is a huge jump. That's a um, huge, that is like, that's not just like a steady jump. That is a huge jump. It's a huge jump. Um, and you combine that with, um, you know, all of these folks who have already suffered an attack. Um, when we look at consumers, uh, immune to attack as well. So, um, most consumers aren't going to deal with ransomware. They have to watch out for phishing. Um, a lot of the, uh, attacks that we're seeing are missed delivery spoofs, uh, where, you know, someone's pretending to be a service provider or maybe from the government. Um, so like everybody's expecting a package from Amazon at any given point, that's a really easy one to pull and to get somebody to click on. And, um, we've seen government, uh, spoofs both in email and, um, on people's phones where somebody's calling to say, Hey, you know, this is the IRS, you owe us money. (laughs) I'd like to talk Um, to you about your car warranty, please. Yes. Yes. Um, and 
what one of the things that we saw in terms of threats for 2022 is that the biggest market for cybercrime is Windows PC devices, um, mainly because they're they're inexpensive. You know, it, there's a low barrier to entry to become a Windows customer. Um, they're everywhere. So that's where we see the greatest number of attacks. And that's also where we see the most new malware popping up because it's it's easy for bad actors to develop malware for PCs. Um, we saw that Android is also catching up there. And I've noticed my parents both have um, Android phones. They get far more scams um, and just weird things happening on their phones versus my iPhone. Um, when we looked at uh, the data from 2021, we saw that 49% of Americans um, experienced some kind of email scam or phishing. Uh, you know, one of the first episodes we did together, I mentioned a, a scam that a family friend had fallen victim to on Facebook. Um, we also see, you know, this payment fraud stuff. This is really popular. Our customers are seeing it too, and they're annoying because. They, they these emails are coming in from um, what I call throwaway email addresses. You know, free email accounts. Um, the emails have a first name, last name, maybe, um, and there's almost always numbers in the email. So it's like <laughs> could be created by a teenager. Nobody knows. Um, but there's nothing malicious in those emails. There, there are no links. There's nothing to scan for. Um, but they are phishing attacks. You know, they're pretending that you have. Um, sent money to somebody, you've purchased something, you've renewed a subscription. Um, it's some kind of invoice or like, thank you for paying, trying to get you to call, um, which is where they'll actually steal your information. Um, we saw 27% increase in consumer, consumer cybersecurity incidents in the US uh, last year when compared to 2020. When you say consumer, you mean like credit card scamming? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the other things that was interesting in this uh, survey that we were looking at, um, the Nord it, VPN survey. Yes, it also it also asked people, you know, do you do you think you're prepared to prevent this kind of thing from happening? Fifty percent of people <laughs> did say that they were well prepared. When we know that they aren't because more than a third of Americans don't update their passwords frequently. And the most popular password in the US is one, two, three, four, five, six. That's not preparation. I, so, but the, okay, so this, so the data part of my brain wants to ask is one, two, three, four, five, six, the most popular password? And that includes like people under the ages of 12 and over the ages of 70. Uh, I always wonder, you know, that doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, some other interesting data points in this survey, um, American respondents confessed that they, 30% of them are visiting questionable websites, um, maybe things that have little spinning uh, animation at the top, hosted on GeoTrees. <laughs> Doesn't, don't most browsers now tell you though you're they about do. to go somewhere they do but um you know my dad said to me that when my grandmother had access to um her own computer she had over 150 windows that were open at any given time and most of them were websites that had some kind of flashing um ad you know banner ad to try to get you to oh, click and draw yeah. you in pop-ups yep i forget yeah i forget right? I, I forget that there are people in this world who don't automatically turn off pop-ups she had no idea like i yeah. do 
Yeah, same. I mean, I use DuckDuckGo, so they, they don't mm-hmm. even have a chance, um, which I highly recommend. Um, 29% of people uh, in this survey use public Wi-Fi without a VPN. You know, they're in Starbucks, um, in Barnes & Noble, you know, in, I mean, does Barnes & Noble still exist? Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> I thought they shut down. Um, they're using, you know, coffee shop Wi-Fi um, that's open to anybody and, you know, has no real, um, no authentication practice, a uh, good place for somebody to come in and try to get on the same network and get into your computer. Um, the gaps in cybersecurity are not complicated, you know, hyper-technical ones. They're just basic user, you know. Um, but it's also, is your cybersecurity technology sucky and hard to use? Because then it does become human error, but that human error really is the technology thing. You know, at Powbox, we talk about making email encryption easier. Every email is encrypted. You don't have to add in a plugin or a portal or type in encrypt or something because the more that you make humans do, the less likely A, they're going to remember to do it or B, do it at all. Think about your to-do list. If your to-do list has 5,000 things on it, are you all going to accomplish it today? If you can automate as much as possible so that you don't have to think about taking any additional action, you're going to be more protected. Definitely. Especially if you can automate something that validates data. Yes. Asia, I'd like to close this episode with your cybersecurity tip for February. Absolutely. So it's very simple. Don't be afraid or too proud to ask for help. Uh, If you are unsure about a text message that you've received, about an email that you've received, have a friend to take a look. Call your kid. They can take a look for you. Um, Use a free link scanner. If you type into Google um, link validator, um, you will find any number of sites that can scan links that you receive in emails um, or text even. Um, And make sure that you have security software installed on your devices. Stay updated. Um, back up your data, and as always, use a password manager. And change your password if it's been a while. Yes. Perfect. Well, Asia, thank you so much for joining me. It was a wonderful pleasure talking to you like always, and I will see you next month. Fantastic. information about the Powbox HIPAA Breach Report or to see any of the articles mentioned in this episode, please visit powbox.com slash blog. The Powbox Kahikina STEM Scholarship is now open. Applications are due by May 31st, 2022. This scholarship encourages Native Hawaiians to pursue careers in STEM. Details are linked to the transcript. You can listen to every episode of Hypocritical on powbox.com or subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Hypocritical. I'm your host, Hannah Trum, signing off.